This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here. FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own Now time. you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. However, if you are feeling brave, then of course, don't let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I normally say I'm very excited for these episodes and I am, but it's tough to be excited with everything that's going on. Ukraine, uh, floods back here in Australia. So I think I'm more thankful that we get to do this. Uh, I am excited to talk to you. I am excited to talk about investing. We're not going to be covering those issues. There are far better people to speak about those and the economic side of them doesn't really seem that relevant at the moment. So I am excited, but I'm glad we're here. Glad we get to talk about investing. Absolutely. Uh, I echo those comments. And hopefully, uh, if you are listening, you are safe and well. And uh, yes, we are certainly thinking of those that are in a bit more of a challenging circumstance than we are. But uh, Ren, we're here to talk about one of the most uh, important and number one resources, considered one of the number one resources for any investor, and that is the Warren Buffett Berkshire Hathaway annual letter. Yeah, there are a few times that the retail investor marks their calendar. Uh, Warren Buffett's uh, annual conference, aka the Woodstock for capitalists, is is one. I guess earnings season is another. Uh, but the day that Warren Buffett releases his annual letter is definitely a bit of a moment in the retail investor calendar. And when this episode is released, it would have been about two weeks since he 
uh, released his letter. And as always, there's some some great information in there. It's often spoken about as the number one resource for a beginner investor. So we thought now was the time to actually unpack why that is the case and what we've both learnt from reading some of the letters. Yeah. Won't admit to reading all of them. Won't <laughs> yeah. claim to have read all of them. No, but there are some resources that do make it easier to get through some of the uh, important parts and we'll touch on that later in the episode. Before we do jump in, uh, a reminder that the ASX share market game kicks off or has kicked off and uh, we have a league that you can join and play along. If you're not sure what it is, the ASX have a game where they give you $50,000 in fake money and you can trade the ASX 300, the top 300 stocks and a number of ETFs to see how you go. Great opportunity to put strategies in place, learn new things and have a good time. And we would love you to come and join the Equity Mates uh, community and play along over the next 15 weeks. Links to it will be in the show notes as will details on how to join. Uh, but it's just a lot of fun. Ren and I will be in there competing against each other. And uh, yeah, what a time to do it. A lot going on in markets. Yeah, a lot going on in markets. I've had a little bit of a thought around strategy, but it's going to be pretty half-baked, I yeah. think. Uh, I might not even invest. Well, I, Cash the, only. The thing that gets me is just the short-term nature of it. You know, you've got 12 weeks to try and win the competition. And I think I'm not a great investor at the best of times. So that really, ah, that really throws me out. But it should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's not real money and uh, it should be a good learning experience. Obviously, get your mates to sign up, try and beat your mates, try and beat Bryce and I, try and beat the hosts of some of the other shows, Yeah, Maddie, Sophie, Adam, Thomas. What more could you want? That's it. It's uh, it's going to be really exciting. So we'll see you in there. Uh, there's no point kicking off an episode on Warren Buffett's letters without actually touching base on who Warren Buffett is, Ren, if someone has just started their investing journey and has never heard of the guy, the bloke before. You're in for a real treat. Yeah. yeah. Wow, your mind's about to be blown. But a lot of people have heard of him, so we'll rip through this quickly and then we'll get into the letters. But he is arguably his- history's greatest investor. And when I say arguably, I mean if people disagree, come and argue with me because I think he is history's greatest investor and I think his the length of his track record speaks for himself. He's the chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, a company that he took over. It was a textile mill in Mm. 1965. He invested in it. It was a terrible investment. But he took the company over and has turned it into one of the best companies ever to be created. Yeah, unbelievable I think that's fair to say, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Tell me just how unbelievable it is, Bryce. Put some numbers around it. It has returned 3,461,613% since 1965. In other words, a 20.1% return per year. Now, that uh, that is extraordinary. In that time, the S&P 500 total return, uh, which means it includes the dividends that companies pay out, has returned only half of that 10.5%. So over what is almost 50 years, Warren Buffett has been able to double the annual return of the S&P 500 for his shareholders, which I don't know if you've ever tried to pump out two years of 20% returns, Ren, back to back, but uh, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult. And he's doing it with more and more money, which makes it harder and harder. And we'll get to that in a second. But Berkshire Hathaway is now a $700 billion company and um, Buffett himself is worth uh, over $100 billion. 
it's an incredible story. There are some investors that you can talk about, you know, the Peter Lynches who maybe got a better return over a shorter period of time, but no one has done what Buffett has done for the length of time that he's done it. That's the important part is yeah. to consider the length. I it, mean, yeah, it's and, and you know how we talk about like the power of compounding, eighth wonder of the world, all of that stuff. If you look up a chart of Buffett's net wealth mm, mm. and just how much it's compounded in the last few years, you, you see it is the classic example of consistent returns over a long period of time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it took him many, 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 many years to – to crack that sort of hundred million, then his net worth two hundred, and then that billion. But you're right; it, it's amazing to see the power of compounding. So, if you're not sure exactly what Berkshire do, they own a variety of companies outright, and then they have a massive stock portfolio. So, Buffett uses the company to make investments. Some of the big companies that they own a hundred percent of, and one of, uh, and are well known for, uh, Geico Insurance. Uh, Burlington, Northern Santa Fe Railroad and Berkshire Hathaway Energy. So he's big into energy, transportation and, and insurance and that gives him the, the cash flow and the float to make investments. Mm. There's another company that he always talks about, Seize Candy, that yeah. he owns 100% outright. And us in, uh, here in Australia, it's just not a thing. Never seen it. Never seen it. Yeah. And it's always like, what is this? Yeah. I think for years when I started investing, I thought it was candy like lollies, like not chocolate. I thought that's what it is. No, it's chocolate. Oh, it's chocolate. It's like okay. gift it's like chocolate gift boxes, like fancy gift boxes. Jeez. Um, but we were speaking to an American investor uh, over on the main uh, Equity Mates podcast and it, uh, he was talking about how Seize Candy is massive over there. So it's there not just go. Buffett talking it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he owns some businesses 100% outright. They're not like stock market investments. They're just companies that he owns. Yeah. But then he also owns a number of stocks. Famously... Apple, American Express, Coca-Cola, Chevron, Bank of America, Verizon. And over the years, he's also owned a number that no longer are listed. Um, the Washington Post, which Jeff Bezos now owns, uh, Gillette, the razor company. They're, they've been some of his great stock market investments that he's just held for decades at a time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He has made some mistakes. Airlines was one. <laughs> yes, he I has remember. made some he mistakes. He said he'd never buy airlines and then bought almost all of them. One of his <laughs> most famous one of his most famous lines in his letter is one that I love, which was like if a capitalist was at Kitty Hawk when the Wright brothers first flew, the capitalist should have shot them down. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the what he means there is no one has made money on airlines, airlines yeah. and so much money has been lost on airlines yeah. that if you cared, if you're a capitalist and you just cared about stock market returns, yeah. you would have shot the, that, that plane <laughs> yeah, down. Need um, and after he wrote that, years after he wrote that, he invested in America's four major domestic airlines. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously it didn't pan out and so Well, sold them then all. COVID hit. Yeah, and he got out of it yeah. pretty quickly. Because his thesis was he doesn't know which airline's going to win but the overall, overall, we're all going to fly more. And then like a year or two later, every plane in the world was grounded because of COVID. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So that brings us to the letters that he writes, Ren, and they have become incredibly famous. Uh, people will often stay up all night to wait for the release and they're, they're sort of uh, seen as an investor's Bible. And the reason for that, he he spends time each year writing to his shareholders in quite a, quite a great deal of detail as to how he's thinking about markets, why he's made the investments that he's had, the big major learnings that he's taken. And over the last 50 years, 
you get really get a sense of who he is as an investor, how him and Charlie have created Berkshire and some of the key principles that he upholds as an investor. Mm. So it's uh, it's a great resource and uh, we're now going to have a look at some of the major takeaways over the past few years from some of the letters and then uh, take a bit of a deep dive into the most current one uh, and what we've taken out of that letter as well. So yeah. you, you don't have to do all the reading. So let's start with uh, some of the major things that we've learned over the years. I've also gone out to the Equity Mates community on Instagram and I've asked them um, some of the thing- the big takeaways that they've learned. But let's start with what we've learned. A lot of what he writes about are the businesses that he's looking for. So whether he's looking to buy a business outright, like Seize Candy or Geico Insurance, or uh, buy a portion of a business on a, on the stock market like Apple or American Express, he's really looking for the same things. And in his 1985 letter, he outlined four key points that he's looking for uh, when he's trying to find a business to invest in. Number one is consistent earnings power. And he doesn't care about, he doesn't want to see future projections. He doesn't want to tell, he doesn't want the CEO to say what they're going to do next year or five years from now. He wants to see what they've done and have they been able to grow their profitability. The second one is good returns on equity with little or no debt. So basically for every dollar that the company makes in profit, can they reinvest that in the business to grow the business, to hire more people, to build more factories and um, earn a good return on that profit? Third one, management in place. Buffett does not want to hire. Yeah. He does not want to get his hands dirty. He does not want to roll up his sleeves. Uh, he sits in his office and read 500 pages a day. And that's not being disparaging. That is what he does. <laughs> yeah. So he wants good management to be in place in the companies that he buys. Yeah, he's big on that. And then number four, he wants a simple business. And for a long time, he avoided tech because he didn't understand tech. And I think for me, that's like the best example of circle of competence. He's not going to try and invest in something he doesn't understand. He wants simple businesses. Mm. So those four things is what he's looking for. Mm. It all sounds so easy. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so they're the four points that he uh, writes about in his 1985 letter. Uh, in his 2007 letter, he builds on what he's looking for in a business and talks about the idea of a moat. And so this quote from 2007, a truly great business must have an enduring moat that protects excellent returns on invested capital. And that's because the dynamics of capitalism guarantee that competitors will repeatedly assault any business castle that is earning high returns. And that makes sense. You know, we we see it over and over again that when a business is having a lot of success, others will enter that space. Mm. Afterpay and Zip were taking the buy now, pay later world by storm. Next minute, there's 40 buy now, pay yeah. later companies trying to do the same thing. And so if if you were going to invest in Afterpay or Zip, you had to be confident that they had a good moat to protect the advantages that they'd built. And that's what Buffett's looking for. And I think a moat has become one of the most common terms that we talk about when we're looking at individual stocks. Yeah. So one of the other major takeaways that have has really shone through over the years, Ren, has been Buffett's... Um, message of trying to avoid picking the market Mm. or predicting the future. It's a fool's game. He says, your goal as an investor should simply be to purchase at a rational price a part interest in an easily understandable business whose earnings are virtually certain to be materially higher 5, 10, and 20 years from now. And then he goes on to say, you want to build an arc 
Build the ark, don't predict the rain. I love that. Everyone tries to predict the future, but it is a loser's game. Instead of predicting rain, focus on building an ark. And what he means by that is find businesses that can withstand market turmoil, volatility, that regardless of what's happening uh, over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, these are businesses that are durable and can keep performing over a long period of time. Yeah, There's no point trying to predict what the market is going to do days from now because no one has any idea. You want to be making investments that you're comfortable with. Build the Ark, Don't Predict the Rain was written in 1981. Since then, there's been plenty of rain. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's been what a... Uh, a stock market crash in the US, the Black Monday, there's been an Asian financial crisis, there's been a tech sell, a tech wreck in 2000, there's been 9-11, JFC. Uh, there's been the JFC, there's been the European debt crisis in 2014, uh, we've had COVID in 2020, uh, there's been you know wars in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. There's plenty of rain that's always, that's always about... But if you find those great businesses, they're durable. That's the idea. So what has he said about people v. companies? He's always spoken about the need for good management. Well, yeah, good management is critical, but Buffett has a slight take on that, a take that's different to uh, a lot of the other expert investors that we speak to who really put management as number one. Buffett puts a great company above great management. And what he says is, Uh, So in 1985, he wrote, when a brilliant management team tackles a business with a reputation for poor fundamental economics, the reputation of the business usually stays intact. And he followed that up uh, a few years later, 1990, good jockeys will do well on good horses, but not on broken down nags. Mm. You want good management, but you want them to be in good businesses that make sense. And the classic example of this that I always think about, do you remember MoviePass? No. So it was a startup that started in the States. It's now bankrupt, but its business model was um, you paid like a sub- monthly subscription. I think it was like 10 bucks a month and you got unlimited movie tickets. Wow. So you could go to as many movies Jeez. as you wanted. And they went bankrupt incredibly quickly because people were just going to more than one movie in a month. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so like that's a business with just terrible yeah, economics. Yeah, yeah. And you could put the best management team in the world there. But like that business just economically didn't make sense. People just took advantage of it. You know, you need businesses that make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then following on from that, Ren, uh, on the hiring and finding uh, great people, he said that if we hire people who are smaller than us, we become a company of dwarfs. But if we hire people who are bigger than us, we become a company of giants. So no doubt that people uh, was and management is a is a, a big focus for him. But then market irrationality. He said in 2017 that though markets are generally rational, they occasionally do crazy things, as we just spoke about. There's been plenty of occasions. Seizing the opportunities then offered does not require great intelligence, a degree in economics, or a familiarity with Wall Street jargon. Mm. I love that. Say it 10 times and not just because you couldn't say familiarity. (laughs) (laughs) But like... Seizing the opportunities does not require great intelligence, a degree in economics, or familiarity with Wall Street jargon. Like that is, that is it. That is our. That's ep- why that's our we new, do this that's podcast. That's our new marketing <laughs> marketing slogan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. He says, what investors then need instead is an ability to both disregard mob fears or enthusiasms and to focus on a few simple, simple fundamentals, a willingness to look unimaginative for a sustained period or even to look foolish is also essential. So don't follow the herd. Yeah, don't and that's the tough. Herd. It is very tough. And, you know, we all get FOMO, but one person who I'm pretty confident doesn't get FOMO is Warren Buffett. Absolutely. And he's uh, he's made it very clear that over the years he will be very, very, very patient. Mm. It's pretty easy not to get FOMO when you're worth $115 billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all through his career, there's when the stock market has been really hot, he has been incredibly criticized. So uh, the 1980s, the late 1990s, and then in the most recent period, sort of the mid-2010s onwards, when growth stocks just were having a day and just ripping and you know everyone was making money hand over fist, the conservative, boring Warren Buffett approach was seen as out of touch or old or whatever. And he looked foolish and he looked unimaginative, but as this quote says, you know, that's what you got to be. Yeah, and, and it's really hard to do. And as his unbelievable track record teaches us, sometimes that that is exactly the right thing to do. Mm. Well, usually, often that is, <laughs> always that is the right thing to do. <laughs> so there's a couple of other one-liners that uh, are quite famous. Uh, we'll rip through them and then uh, take a quick ad break. So, Ren, what's one of your favourites? Uh, price is what you pay, value is what you get, 2008. 2005, for investors as a whole, returns decrease as motion increases. Uh, 2004, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy only when others are fearful. I think One that's of the most, most famous lines. Absolutely. Uh, you only find out who is swimming naked when the tide goes out. That was in 2001. And I think the timing of that is particularly important because 2001, they were realizing a lot of people were swimming naked as the tech bubble burst. Absolutely. Yeah. And then to close out, if you aren't willing to own a stock for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes. Mm. I think that really plays into a lot of what we just discussed around finding companies that are durable, have a, have a moat, great earnings power, good return, great management in place. If you're not thinking about a comp this company is going to last the next 10 years, then what's the point in, mm. in owning it? Some good quotes there. Not That's not even all of them. That's just a few that we cherry-picked. Uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll quickly hear what the Equitymates community have thought. Uh, and then we will get on to this year's letter. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, Bryce, before the break, we uh, talked about some of the things that we've learned from Buffett's letters, uh, hopefully given everyone an idea of why they're such a good resource. I went out to the Equity Mates community to ask their views. First of all, I asked how many 
people on Instagram have read a Buffett letter. Yeah. What do you think the numbers would have come back as? Pretty low. Yeah. You've nailed it. Uh, 26% have read a Buffett letter, 74% haven't. The good news is if you don't want to read the letters in full, we've got some resources at the end to help shortcut the the process. Here's another one that I asked. Uh, what would you rather own for the next 10 years? Berkshire Hathaway, an S&P 500 index ATF or Bitcoin? Ooh. What would you What would you prefer? Um well, I mean, if it's based on his, his history and not trying to predict the future, I'd have to take Berkshire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. He's doubled I returns. thought you were going to say in the last 10 years, Bitcoin has been the best of those three. Yeah, it has been. But I'm, I'm not going to say that. Okay. Yeah, so 45% said the S&P 500, which you love to see that, like people are disciplined. Yeah. And, um, then 37% said Berkshire, 18% said Bitcoin. Nice. That's good. Um. So then we asked, what are some of the, the best things that you've learned from Buffett's letters? A lot of the responses were around uh, how to find quality companies, buy great companies at a reasonable price. Patience, I think, was a really good one. And I think that's something that comes through a lot. You know, the power of compounding. So I think like some really good things there. I also asked, uh, what, if anything, does Buffett get wrong? Do you have any uh, answers for that? Um. What does he get wrong? Well, it's hard to say. He hasn't got a lot wrong. Well, airlines. airlines, yeah. There were a few answers around airlines. There were a Too few, late into tech. There, yeah, that was a big one. A few answers on tech, mainly but like, Google. He's made an absolute fortune from Apple. So A big one was Kraft Heinz. Oh, yeah. So he um, merged those two companies with a Brazilian private equity firm, uh, which hasn't done well. I feel like that's not the right answer to these questions, though. It's not what does he get wrong. That's just what yeah, it's has like, he what, got wrong. It's like wrong. what investing mistakes has he made? Uh, the other big one, people said crypto a lot. This was a good response from uh, from someone. Uh, his rule number one, never lose money. Yeah. But uh, everyone has or will lose money, including Buffett. Yeah. I thought that was fair. Yeah, but I, I think it's a good uh, – it's, it's, I want to know how he plays that, plays that out in reality. About losing money. Mm. Yeah. Because you either have to sell a position to stop losing money or every position needs to be right. Well, yeah, he sells he sold positions. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it, But then he'll say uh, if you're not prepared to, you know, w- when does he make the call is my thing. Yeah. Is, yeah. Getting the equity mate's opinion on Instagram is becoming a bit of a weekly tradition. So if you want to uh, make your voice heard, uh, jump over to our Instagram, follow us there, and um, I'm sure we'll do that again next week. But Bryce, let's get to this year's letter because uh, Warren Buffett might be 91, but he's still uh, pumping out long letters. What did we learn this year? We learned a lot, Ren. Uh, Firstly, that he is a very generous guy and uh, loves being transparent with his shareholders. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> he opened the letter. Charlie Munger, if if you're not sure, is his uh, sidekick and and partner at uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, he opened Charlie Munger, my long term partner, and I have the job of managing a portion of your savings. We are honoured by your trust. Our position carries with it the responsibility to report to you what we would like to know if we were the absentee owner and you were the manager. We enjoy communicating directly with you through this annual letter and through the annual meeting as well. If you don't know what that is, it's a massive stadium-sized meeting where thousands and thousands of shareholders go to his hometown in Omaha. 
Our policy is to treat all shareholders equally. Therefore, we do not hold discussions with analysts nor large institutions. Wherever possible, also, we release important communications on Saturday mornings in order to maximize the time for shareholders and the media to absorb the news before markets open on Monday. Mm. What a guy. I love how he tra- he he explicitly says he treats all shareholders equally. You know, it's not we give this letter to Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley before yeah. we release it to the public. Yeah. Um, and they release it when the market is open closed so you and I have as much chance to read it and digest it as people whose full-time job is to watch the market, yeah, um, which we love to see here at Equity Mates. We're all about the retail investor. That's it. Uh, the next one, one thing that really stood out to me uh, is that how they framed themselves. Uh, he and Charlie. So I'll read this quote: um, "Our goal is to have meaningful investments in businesses with both durable economic advantages and a first-class CEO." Please note particularly that we own stocks based upon our expectations about their long-term business performance and not because we view them as vehicles for timely market moves. That point is crucial. Charlie and I are not stock pickers. We are business pickers. And I love that. Yeah. Business pickers, not stock pickers. That's what we all should aspire to be. That's it. And, uh, yeah, this has been one of his biggest... uh pieces of, I guess, advice and communications over the years. So, Ren, uh, he started the letter with a did you know and we love some uh, big, big numbers here at Equity Mates. Did you know Berkshire own and operate more US-based infrastructure than any other American company worth $158 billion? I didn't know that before I read the letter. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Well, did you know that Berkshire paid 0.8% of all corporate income tax in America in 2021? No, but that's massive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Did you know that Berkshire's insurance float has grown from 19 million in 1967 to 147 billion? I didn't. But now you but do. I did after I read the letter, which is, <laughs> and look, we we won't get into how the float works, but like that is the superpower behind this business, and some of the resources we'll talk about at the end do a really good job of explaining that. Um, but in this letter, he uh, then goes on to talk to write about his big four, the big four businesses that he's invested in or owns fully that really drive Berkshire's returns at the moment. The first one is his his insurance business. The second one is Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad. Bet you haven't heard of that. No. Yeah, but it's a now I have. big, big railroad over in the States. Well, big railroad company. Third, Berkshire Hathaway Energy. And then finally, a 5.6% stake in Apple. Not bad. Massive. Yeah. Massive. And I think he he put in something like $40 billion into Apple and now it's worth, what, how much? 160 or something? close to it yeah something like, something that. like yeah. that it's crazy the next thing uh cur- he's currently sitting on and this comes down to the patient side for me but he's currently sitting on 144 billion dollars in cash yeah and given the craziness of the markets and everything that's been going on and everyone's saying it's been great making so much money he can't find any good deals mm. in his eyes uh he he plans to hold at least 30 billion in cash at all times uh, that's portfolio management, thirty billion. Just thirty billion. <laughs> yeah. Like that, to put that in context, like that's more than the value of coals. Yeah. 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 That it, just in cash. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh yeah. I mean, it's all it's all relative, but still, it's a a lot of cash. 
It's heaps of cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's sitting on $144 billion. So um, also given what's going on with rates at the moment, you know, cash is certainly not king. Uh, it just goes to show his determination to ensure that he is only investing when he sees opportunity. He's willing to sit on that much money to, to wait for the good deals to come mm-hmm. through. So this next one, uh, it's a little bit jargon-filled, but it was probably my favourite quote from the letter. Buffett writes, Deceptive adjustments to earnings, to use a polite description, have become both more frequent and more fanciful as stocks have risen. Speaking less politely, I would say that bull markets breed bloviated bull dot, dot, dot. And basically Buffett is saying there that when any of his companies that he owns report, they're just going to report their actual profit. And uh, a lot of the other companies that he sees in the market will maybe tweak things here and there Mm. and report their profit and then report a couple of other numbers to try and make it seem like they're doing better than they perhaps are. And so Buffett just says, if you're going to invest in individual stocks, be really aware of what numbers you're looking at and importantly, the number that matters is the actual profit number. Mm. If you start seeing acronyms like EBITDA or adjusted EBITDA, just be careful. So another call out from the letter, Ren, is Charlie's orangutan effect. And uh, Charlie Munger, look him up on YouTube, incredibly uh, interesting guy. And he says that if you sit down with an orangutan and carefully explain to it one of your cherished ideas, you may leave behind a puzzled primate, but will exit thinking more clearly yourself. And he, for many, many years, both of them actually have always said that if uh, the best way to learn is by teaching others, and that's uh, that's what he's actually saying here. If you can explain the business to someone else, if you can explain how it earns money, you're just uh, going to become a better investor and and better yourself. All right. I think two more um, and then we'll close with some more resources. The uh, A quote that Buffett finishes with that I think is really important is he's talking about his long-term shareholders, the shareholders that have been with him for decades. And he writes, Berkshire, these shareholders would sometimes acknowledge might be far from the best selection they could have made, but they would add that Berkshire would rank high among those with which they would be most comfortable. And people who are comfortable with their investments will, on average, achieve better results than those who are motivated by ever-changing headlines, chatter, and promises. And for me, that is such an important reminder. Being able to sleep at night, being able to switch off, being able to not think about your investment portfolio all the time is such an important thing to build into your portfolio because it will allow you to just let compounding do its thing. You might not make a thousand percent a year on some mining specy or some crazy biotech, but if you consistently earn 10% a year and you can sleep at night, you'll do more than okay over the long run. And then a random way to finish the letter. So random. (laughs) From Buffett uh, ends with a bit of a sales pitch. He says that cousin Jimmy Buffett has designed a pontoon party boat that is now being manufactured by Forest River, a Berkshire subsidiary. The boat will be introduced on April 29 at our Berkshire Bazaar of Bargains and for two days only, shareholders will be able to purchase Jimmy's masterpiece at a 10% discount. Your bargain hunting chairman will be buying a boat for his family's use. Join me. 
So Jimmy Buffett, the uh, singer, you know, like Margaritaville and all, all those other songs, is designing pontoon boats <laughs> for a company that Warren Buffett owns. Random, very random. <laughs> very random. But look, plenty of uh, information and there was a lot that we covered there. So uh, do listen to this again to, to let it all sink in. But if you would like to have a look at the letter yourself, we will include it in the show notes. But there are a couple of resources where you can head to to take a look at a lot of uh, other letters that Berkshire have written. To be clear, where what we're going to include in the show notes is every letter. Yeah. That link to every letter. Yeah. 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 And that is a link to the Berkshire Hathaway website. Yeah. The, one of the worst, I'm going to say hands down, the worst website for a company worth over $500 billion. Yeah, it's awful. But I, it, they don't need it. They don't need it. They don't care. <laughs> they it's don't it's very it. fitting. They don't need it. But look, if you don't want to read the letters yourself, uh, we've read a few Warren Buffett books over our time um, and we I think they're some of the most valuable books I've read when it comes to investing. So we've got four titles that we want to share that we should also include links in the show notes. But what's some of the Warren Buffett books that you found most valuable? Uh, one that was written by his sister-in-law. Was that right? Uh, no, uh, daughter in law. Daughter in law, yeah. But the, his son and the daughter in law divorced, and then she wrote the book. Yeah. It's but called, I don't think it was acrimonious. Yeah. Yeah. No. But anyway, I'm not going to go into the details of it, <laughs> but it's called, it's called Buffetology, and it really breaks down, uh, uh, how he everything that we've really spoken about it's um it's a great book yeah it's really that buffetology really covers the how the in in terms of how buffett invests and how he approaches investments yeah uh two books that are really biographical talk about his life which are really good uh the snowball warren buffett and the business of life by alice schroeder and then buffett making of an american capitalist by roger lowenstein two great ones and then the final book uh, that I think is worth mentioning and giving a shout out to, it's called Warren Buffett's Ground Rules by Jeremy Miller. And what it does, it's taken, so before Warren Buffett ran Berkshire Hathaway, he ran an investment partnership and he wrote letters there as well to his, that this book takes those letters and distills and like groups them into lessons, um, Warren Buffett's Ground Rules. So I think that's a that's another really good one to read as well. Mm. But honestly, any of those four titles or the letters themselves, everything there, there will be something valuable that you learn. Absolutely. So there's always something to learn from Warren Buffett each year. Uh, keep an eye out for his annual letter. And then in May, he does his annual general meeting for Berkshire Hathaway and there's always plenty of content coming out of that as well. Uh, so if you have enjoyed this episode, we'd ask that you could just rate and review on uh, on your Apple podcast if you are listening through Apple. Uh, if you'd like to leave a question, hit us up at contact at equitymates.com or through our Instagram page. And uh, we hope that you got a lot of value from that episode. So Ren, uh, as always, it's great to chat Buffett. It's great to chat stocks and we'll be picking it up again next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation... 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Goody Mates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.